Hey Babus, this is Cherry from Cheers Charity, India's first and only beer podcast. Today's guest is Karina Agrawal. She is the founder director of Giggle Water Beverage Concepts Private Limited and one of the most spirited human beings I have met in my life. Let's head straight to speak with her. Thank you. Cheers. Hi, I'm Karina and I'm on Cheers Charity. I am the uh, founder of Giggle Water 411 and uh, I cheer for beer. Thank you, Karina. Thank you so much. Actually, supposed to have this podcast yesterday, but unfortunately, Karina met with a little fall and she hurt herself. So we wish her a speedy recovery. She is much better today, and uh, so that's how she is today with us at uh, 3 p.m., which is a Sunday. And like I say, every day is a Sunday during lockdown. And, uh, without wasting much time, I'm going to straight get into some questions with her. The first question I'm going to ask her is not about her. I'm going to ask her about her grandmother because I've heard certain things about her grandma. Karina, tell us what was she like and what did she like? So my grandmother was, uh, was she was an amazing woman. This is my mom's mom and uh, she was going. Okay. Uh, she was, in fact, one of the first female uh, radio jockeys in the 60s and 70s on, at that point, what was MSR, the Goa, that eventually became All India Radio. Oh, how cool um, is she, man? Yeah. And she was, um, I, I think the, the story I told you is basically by the time I was old enough and I was in school, so on our holidays, even though I grew up in Hyderabad, because mm-hmm. my friend based there, holidays multiple times a year would be in Goa because my mom's whole family was there. And my grandmother had her ritual. She would, uh, every afternoon, was beer time. Oh, wow. So she would uh, two pints before lunch. And every evening was whiskey. And she was very pretty. She was very particular about how her beer had to be poured okay. and how she had to be mixed with water. Unless she had taught you herself and she trusted you to make it, okay. she wouldn't have helped you. And when I was there over the summers, I used to be her designated bartender. So you were the chosen one? Yeah, I mean, also it was few, I mean, sometimes it was a month at the time, but otherwise it was a few weeks. I took my role very seriously. <laughs> okay. It was, like, in some ways very interesting because from the color and from the smell, whether okay. I had mixed her whiskey and water right. You okay. know, there were no, hmm. you weren't really using peg measures or anything. Hmm. Obviously, so... So I had, I wouldn't know if it looked a little lighter than it should have or it didn't smell like she would like it. Then I knew I had to put a little more whiskey in or a little more water in accordingly. Did you get any rewards for for doing a good job? None that I remember, unfortunately. (laughs) But she would always, always told us a lot of stories all the time and she was always lovely to be around. And she was, yeah, eccentric in her own ways. Okay, I'm not surprised. And uh, but do you feel that somewhere she? The reason I asked you, I started with that, is also to reach the point to ask you that do you feel somewhere she influenced your uh, passion for alcohol and your profession? I think that would be a little bit of a stretch to say because because alcohol or working with alcohol came into my life like more than a decade after. Okay, but it's that I think. You know, it was always, now when I look back at it, I was like, oh, okay, it was, I, without realizing it, I knew the importance of the look and the smell. Flavor and the aroma and all of that, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't, I wasn't tasting it, but, but I knew what it should be like, you know, like what it should smell like and what it should look like. So yeah, I assumed that if I had to say what my first bar, 
back ending of such experience was like uh, hmm. this is really a win it all starts at home somewhere no yeah always <laughs> so what's your favorite alcohol beverage your your grandmother like beer and whiskey what do you like or does I it keep changing it that it keeps changing i no, have no interesting answer to that question hmm. uh, but it is one that comes to me very very often but there's no clear answer Okay. Um, right now, what are you drinking these days? I, these days, actually, I'm pulling out stuff that I haven't gone to in really long. Huh. I've been making myself interesting cocktails, and I've been, uh, you know, something like the hanky panky and and uh, the martinez and a couple of different things. I'm like pulling out my my liqueurs and my fernet and all of those things. Hmm. Yeah, but for me, I'm really what I drink really depends on my mood. Most often, I will feel like a beer or a gin and tonic, uh, especially like when I'm going out or I'm meeting friends. I think those two are the most social drinks there are. Hmm. But I love like I'm two things I can't say no to or have a very hard time saying no to are sake and good champagne. Oh you wow! Know? Like, yeah. Even like two years, I'll be able to say no. Maybe another day. But these two things, I. And like if I pass up the opportunity, maybe I won't get it again. I love mezcal. I love my whiskey and my wine also every now and then. Hmm. So yeah, <laughs> definitely uh, all round a drinker. Everything at different points in time. Okay. And I'm just a lazy home bartender, so I don't yeah. bother so much. Hmm. But if I go to a cocktail bar where I trust their cocktails and I know they have good bartenders, then I'll definitely pick a cocktail over everything else. Hmm. Nice. Tell me, how did the name Giggle Water come up? I started sort of in the beverage world completely by accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I background was I just finished my postgrad in journalism. I was getting to that uh, as well. Good, you started saying that. Tell me. <laughs> I sort of uh, landed. Um, this job with sort of publishing hours i would say they had a couple of magazines one was an aerospace magazine one was a photography magazine and one was this one okay. and i was supposed to be working across all what began to happen was i was sort of suddenly sent to interview brand ambassadors and distillers and winemakers it was a little daunting because i had no no knowledge of this i didn't even drink at that point so i decided that i would have to sort of cover my bases by learning and studying and reading as much as i could okay and um, and everything i studied up to that point you know like my background was psychology english literature anthropology journalism everything was so research based oh my god so that's I, a long list you know yes yeah, so i approach alcohol also strangely as as yeah as strange as it sounds very academically okay so more having the taste and saying oh this is really great and i love how it tastes mm. i just ended up finding out as many things as i could from books and online mm. and then when i met the person that had made it sometimes and they shared the story and i tasted it with them mm. it sort of all fit really beautifully it came together very nicely mm. and that's something that i sort of fell in love with you know that, okay. that whole and then it just grew from there so i kept reading and learning and starting and uh, at one point i decided that i would start a blog because i was coming across really interesting sort of tidbits and fun stories that i realized friends of mine that were drinking these drinks they had no idea about or what they were drinking and, and how they were drinking yeah. huh. exactly so i the the magazine was a b2b magazine so it's never okay. like they they were going to be reading it plus the the tone of the magazine was completely different that then would engage normal everyday consumers hmm. 
little little snippets the idea was that and when i was looking for it i mean when i had to decide a name yeah. one of the books i had come across during my research earlier was from google water okay which is what that they used during the prohibition in america in the 20s okay it, to denote alcohol essentially okay so because of the prohibition etc you know they couldn't really use everyday words hmm. and it was one of the words they would use to to convey that they were talking about alcohol oh nice and huh. it's such a beautiful word it sends so much with saying, without saying too much hmm and that's how i chose it as the name for my blog ah and you also have a 411 something like that i didn't translate like that to everyone they keep asking me whether it was it's my birthday in fact even i thought but i know your birthday so then i realized it it can't be that kuch aur hi hoga sab mazak kahani bhi hai and by the time i thought of moving or getting rid of it or moving it it had just sort of stuck so i let it be i don't see any reason it's it's working well for you and uh, let people be curious about it yeah where wherever it came it's your you know imagination and your background so it doesn't matter at all yeah i guess that's on instagram by the time i decided maybe i'll get rid of it giggle water wasn't available so i just stuck there a perfect day yeah. don't do anything to it it's like a perfect drink you wear so many hats and so many caps of bottles you open if you had to describe yourself in one word as far as your profession is concerned what would be that i, I really struggle with that word and i keep hoping someone will come up with it for me hmm. cause i operate as a beverage writer an educator a brand ambassador hmm. a consultant it's just just a hodgepodge of a lot of different things so most often as beverage consultant but it just seems to be the easiest but i don't have one word that defines or describes no that works and you'll think of something yeah we'll coin something just like yeah, the way anyone listening to this has has an opinion please <laughs> please please pass it on to karina she's all yours for you guys she'll give you guys a credit also wo bhi hai and i will say i will pay in bottles i promise Ah, you put so many kinds of spirits here, which is the one that makes you most happy with. You know, is it beer or is it whiskey or is it gin and tonic or champagne? Uh, What's your personal favorite? I'm not talking from what clients. I do, like I said, I don't have a personal favorite, but what interests me most, just being the kind of person I am, hmm. is one if I'm allowed to do something fun with it. If I'm allowed to switch it up rather than a format that exists already, hmm. so whether basic whiskey tasting or whiskey pair dinners or whatever mm. i'm just I'm really bored of that so i want to change the format or i want to change the tone i want to in whatever way it, and it has it always depends on the brand or the whiskey that i'm serving right it, yeah. it has to be seen. Mm. so i love everything that one allows me to switch up normal format which i know will get feeding off you always feed off the energy of everyone in the room uh, and just sharing something new with people that they didn't know before is always really exciting lately lately it's been because of the whole trend and the curiosity around gin there's been a lot of that okay and that's always fun because there's there's typically an element of you know cocktails and everyone getting their hands dirty or sharing insights or asking questions because they have tons of them so i also really enjoy the the whiskey events that i do Okay uh, because there's uh, because there especially I think people walk in the door with the most preconceived notions like of what they are okay to try or having a specific way they feel they drink their whiskey and and saying that's the only way to drink it or people that saying I don't like whiskey and I will never like it 
and it's also fun because this is then the audience that when they leave and they're like wow i never knew i would enjoy it or someone else saying i've seen this bottle 12 times and i never thought that it would be such a good uh good whiskey that Mm. i you know i'm gonna pick it up stuff like that is just the most rewarding so enjoy how do women respond to these sessions how curious are they always extremely curious and I think more often than not the women uh, I may be biased but uh, the women have a better palate for picking up notes than men do because they think sometimes they might not be thinking in a very basic sort of in the beverage language or in in the whiskey or beer terms Hmm. when they make associations they make it to uh, sometimes beauty products or cook or cook cook, uh, or Um, yeah, like or or fashion sometimes even. Mm-hmm. I thought because they manage to convey what they feel about something or notes in a particular drink in very interesting ways and very uh, creative ways. Having said that, in Delhi, when I moved to Delhi about six years ago, five mm-hmm. six years ago, actually one of the first few events that I started to do or was asked to do a lot of beer tasting okay. and like beer, beer workshops and stuff like that. And so I did a I did a bunch and in various places with various audiences and what I realized was that the women mm-hmm. weren't really speaking out. So in the sense that, you know, if I asked one of them the opinion, they would always sort of defer to their partner or the man sitting next to them and say, He drinks more than I do, so let him speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they would come to me at the end. Huh. and uh, share their opinion and it would always be a very valid opinion or oh, very interesting very insightful one I guess yeah that actually made me think uh, also it was I was in a new city and you know you, Delhi comes with all these preconceived notions hmm. so I also thought I was like what if we take men out of the equation what if we do these beer things only for women exclusively for women yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. are they you, are they going to respond a lot more and stuff and so I started this thing called the Smarty Pints Society yeah, I read about that. Yeah. And, uh, we did a few uh, sessions and the idea was, you know, we sort of built a base of of beer knowledge, understanding different styles. But mm. we also had people that, like a couple of ladies that were there for the first session and subsequently started homebrewing themselves. Oh, and then wow. they came back a few sessions later because I said, why don't you come and tell people how you started homebrewing? Or I wasn't a homebrewer myself, but I connected them to friends of mine that were. Okay. So they could ask them where to get the equipment from and where to get whatever ingredients, etc. Hmm. Yeah, so it was really interesting. It's just that unfortunately at that point I was working alone and I didn't have the bandwidth to plan everything and do invites and make sure that I was registering people and everything, everything, everything. Hmm. So hmm. it became too much at some point. Yeah, your bar was full um, actually with work. Plus, and this was just, you know, this was just the idea was just to build a community of thoughts more than anything else. I did not follow up on that, but every now and then I keep getting a message saying, "Hi, is this still active, or do I really want to start it up again?" Maybe yeah, you I should. You should revive it. Yeah. If there's so much of potential, firstly, there's a lot of potential. Plus, you've made a good name for yourself, and if people are coming back after all that, then I guess there is something to it. They focus a lot more on certain things in terms of paying attention to focusing on the details. Yeah. And I think that's something that uh, translates into a lot of things that 
they they do that attention to detail and i think even if you don't have a proclivity for cooking it's just that the chances are that growing up you would be around the kitchen uh, around your mom a lot yeah. more yeah 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 that's kind of like a basic understanding of things so when you say training is that you more or less and thinking you're not a cook you don't like cooking i have so i have a bunch of so my my master plan uh, over the years has been i love to eat it is really like every time i i plan a holiday the first thing is when am i eating and drinking okay. and when i finish lunch it's always about what can i look forward to for dinner okay. and so my master plan has been to surround myself with friends that cook and especially like chefs and it, i think it turned out to be fortunate that i work in the food and beverage industry hmm. so i have a lot of friends that are chefs so they've been sending me recipes they've been posting a lot of their recipes hmm. so i keep i just put a sort of foolproof one hmm. uh, and then i start with those so okay. it's been interesting i made them i made a bunch of different like fish and prawn curries and wow. um, i attempted butter chicken i think now the transition of me not living bad, in the yeah. really well yeah, yeah. really well. like delhi folk uh, at home that was very pleased with it okay so, you've been in the i ask everyone this that uh, been in the spirits industry which is pretty much male dominated and you've been around since 2012 that's a good eight years have you ever felt any kind of bias or any challenges like that as a woman i mean all the time all oh, the really? time okay every industry has has yeah, they has their own yeah correct every yeah. mm-hmm. spend enough time speaking to someone for sure the second person you speak to in a single is second woman you speak to in industry will have some sort of a story again with beverage it's heightened because in some ways because one it's alcohol and the general taboo of alcohol in india right now yeah. perception of that also over the last two or three years have changed so much hmm. but i know that the understanding at the beginning there were people that didn't understand that i was working with alcohol like when they asked me what it is that i did they didn't understand it fine but then there's also that perception of oh there's a certain excuse me there's a certain type of woman that works with alcohol yeah and so all of that Plus, hmm. it is a very boys' club. No matter what we say about it, it boys' club because there is precedence there, right? Hmm. If they all, a lot of the people that are in the hospitality industry, they all come from say the IHMs, etc., etc. So, so they know each other. There is a camaraderie there that that goes back years. Hmm. So, breaking into this space is also used to be quite difficult. Hmm. And then there are all the restrictions of you still have big brands that that are wary of hiring women as ambassadors because they are not sure if they can ensure her safety from that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they send her. They might not be able to send her to all the North Indian states where they could can send a male brand ambassador. All of those things are still there. And we are going to be there for a while. Yeah, I guess uh, so. At any given point in time in life, our generation, you know, there will be a certain degree of discomfort and challenge. Having yeah. said that, over the last two or three years, the, the opportunities for women in the beverage space, whether it is behind the bar, so as a bartender, we have women bar owners that are doing an incredible job. We have some consultants. There are people that are educators in the in the space. Hmm. or running running the marketing for some of the big uh, biggest alcohol uh, companies out there all of that also changes perception changes things you learn how to how to behave how to respect how to sort of 
equate women in the space. Hmm. So I think yeah, over the last few years there certainly has been a lot of improvement. I the way I function is not saying this is the best whiskey in the world or this is the best beer in the world. Hmm. Please tell me this. Hmm. The idea is this whiskey has a space in my bar for this reason. For this reason. is when I yeah. this mm-hmm. who I like to share it with. This is how I like to drink it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or this beer has this pedigree uh, that comes with it. And so if you like wines of this kind, you will this definitely be the one you should yeah. be drinking. Yeah. 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 So, uh-huh. so things like that. So those kinds of things, like with when I used to do, going back to the whiskey events that I used to do, when I used to walk in, I used to have uh, that one mostly men, like 40, 50 year old men. It's always the First thing would be, are you old enough to drink? Oh God! So can you start no, no, I guess I'm strolling into the park. Uh-huh. And then it's also like to the extent that I've been drinking whiskey longer than you've been alive. What can you teach me? <laughs> <Yeah. about>? Good <laughs> one. <laughs> the is 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 the truth. They have in a lot of cases they have been drinking whiskey longer than I have been alive. Uh-huh. But the thing is, what absorbs all of this is at the end of the event, a lot uh-huh. of them would come to me. And show me their collections or say, you know, I'm thinking of buying this. Do you think I should buy it? I haven't opened this yet. Do you think, you know, I should, should I save it for something else? It sort of gives you also a feeling that, okay, these people have come around full circuit, exactly. you know? Exactly. And the confidence is yeah. Yeah. And I know that the next time they won't, whether it's with me or whether it's with another woman that is doing it, I know they won't. Start with the presumption that she does not know what she's talking about. Exactly. Your parents, how did um, they react when you said you wanted to get into this industry? So, so because see, there wasn't any announcement, so to speak, because it just happened, happened. without even realizing uh-huh. it, right? But no, my parents have been amazing, and I think even at times when I didn't know what I was doing or where I was going, they've always been incredibly supportive. Mm-hmm. And so for the song, I always said, and I told my partner this and um, my family and whatever, I'm never going to be rich, I'm never going to make money. No. But but you're going to be happy with what you do. Yeah, and I'll get to travel the world because I was getting called to beautiful places. I was getting incredible food and beverage experiences. Yeah. So I was like, and that's okay for me. Uh, until about three years ago when I pivoted and when I started to do different things outside of just writing, that's when I said, okay, there is something there. There is a need for specific expertise in different spaces that people are willing to pay for, that audiences are curious about, and so brands find value in it. So it's been, so since then it's been a lot easier, which is also when then I set up Giggle Water as a company. So Giggle Water Beverage Concept is my company, and I, and I work across across brands, across like sometimes with importers, sometimes with um, embassies, etc., whatever, in different ways. It's always interesting because for me, no two days are the same, which mm-hmm. I love. I'm constantly learning. Cause I, I completely identify with that when you said no two days are the same. It's the same goes for me. And I think that's the thing about our industry, whether I've, I've in, in advertising or now in the beer industry, even I feel the same. And it's very exciting. Truly, every day is a learning. Every day is an evolution for us. Yeah. And if you have that kind of a personality where it allows you, I actually am someone that I like a format, like order in certain ways. So this is not something that I would have, if you had asked me, would you be able to live like this or do this? It's it's something I would have probably said no to a few years ago. Hmm. But you're also learning about yourself. You're also learning what keeps you driven. So for me, that, you know, the fact that I want to, put good work out there. The Bruxelles, which is an international wine competition. 
Okay. And I think they had they must have been doing some research and they read um, uh, they read some article of mine and then they reached out to me and asked if I'd like to be an international jury at the competition. Okay. And so and for me it was it was a big thing because it was, I was really new into it. So I obviously didn't have the experience necessary or whatever. They said no, you come and see. And the, the thing is, it's a really nice format because it's many like it's a hun- hundreds of judges there. Mm. So it's a good place to learn, but the thing is, you're tasting it blind. Yeah. But they evaluate you as a judge. So okay. each judge has an individual evaluation because uh, every day amongst the, like typically you're tasting between uh, 60 and 80 wines there. Mm. Oh no, it's slightly less, maybe 50, 60 wines a day, uh, not a day, like over four hours, between eight to one with a break in between. There are, they sort of test you by putting two wines in there that are the same. Okay. Which you don't know, obviously. Which you obviously but, are, yeah. But then, depending on how far your, how close your scores were, huh. you are judged. This you find out only weeks after. So okay. they send you, like, weeks after you come back or whatever. Mm. They send each individual judge mm. their evaluation sheet, which basically tells you how close you were to both the to both the sample yeah. that you tasted on various days, uh-huh. but also how close you were on an average to the five other people you were tasting with. So it evaluates you like that. So uh-huh. if you do badly, you're not going to be called back. Essentially. So it's not like you're judging anything, but more than that, it was also judging. You were being judged. You are judging. In addition to that, this is just, this is not common knowledge or this is not something that's interesting, but you are, if you are invited, yeah. uh, and again, they won't specify it really, mm, but, but if you, just, you won't get tend to do badly, they, yeah. they are not likely to call you back. If you are a bad or you're a bad, if you don't, have, if you're not on the same page as the other people that you're tasting with, yeah. or uh, if there's like, I don't know, five point difference between your first and your second, like the, the similar blind tasting wine or whatever, huh. then they obviously be like, okay, this is not a very reliable, then you're not a reliable uh, judge, taster yeah. or a judge. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I got called for that and that was a really great experience because I met some amazing people mm. and they sort of opened up my world a lot by then inviting me further to events that they organized in their parts of the world. So there were people that were organizing the International Port Wine Day a thing in Porto in Portugal who I met at this thing and then he invited me there. There were mm. people that were doing something in Greece for a specific wine region so they invited me there. Mm. The Austrian embassy, the Austrian wine board guy. So things like that. So that sort of is my ability to be able to travel, to learn more than anything else because you don't learn. Like if I'm tasting a wine and literally looking at the soil and the vineyards and the grapes on the wines that mm. have made that wine, that's the best way to learn. You yeah, know? correct. So that happened. You know what I said? Meanwhile, I slowly built a content because I realized that I had uh, enough experience and expertise now to also be able to uh, host events, host tastings. So initially, uh. I was I, like, I just did a couple of small ones and all of those turned out really nicely. So then brands started approaching me to host stuff for them, things like that. Mm. So it just sort of grew, grew from there. Also, Giggle Water became like this, you know, at a point when there weren't any active uh, uh, beverage blogs, there was nothing that was dedicated to beverages. The way I do things is a little different mm. in terms of making it casual and approachable. That's always been my aim. You know, I want to make it casual, approachable at whatever level. Yeah. So if it's at a server level, 
I need to speak at that level, but at the same time educate them. If it is at a guest level, then I have to understand the. I have to understand that if I'm talking about a Glenfiddich, I'm going to have people that are going to ask me about a Macallan. If I mm. didn't have the repertoire of knowledge to be able to compare those two, I wouldn't really be doing a good job. Okay. Then I might as well just be a brand ambassador that knows only about my brand uh, and nothing else. Yeah, and then just right? promote it. Yeah, correct. Yes. Then I, so that's why brands will come to me, right? Because they realize that it, they have brand ambassadors. All of the brands that I'm doing stuff for, they all have brand ambassadors. Huh. The thing is that when they come to me or when they want to do something with Giggly Water, the idea is that we I bring huh. an, a sense of understanding to the brand from the outside. Correct. It's not coming yeah. from And you know the subject. It's not coming. about just posing there and saying that, oh, drink this is the greatest drink. It's not like yeah, an actor exactly. standing there and saying that this is what it is and tomorrow, you, today he's with this brand of whiskey, tomorrow you would be with some other brand of whiskey. He doesn't care. Yeah. It's, it's about context, right? Well, like, yeah, I'm not yeah, exactly yeah. what you said. I'm not telling you this is the best whiskey to have. Yeah, correct. I'm telling you why I have it as one of the whiskeys in my bar and huh. when I like to drink it and when it works best and who I will serve it to. So it's like that. So I'm like even like for me also I'm very like I'm very clear about the kind of brands I work. Consumers? And, and consumers I think this had to happen from both ends because yeah, correct, of how huh. consumers were responding to me and to what Deagle Water was putting out there. Brands came more and more. Also, like when they they would attend my events, like even people from the brand, it was always things where sound for it was it was always fun. They, everyone, including the brand guys, always had fun. Huh. Most often, they went home learning something new about the brand that they didn't know before. Because I'm very like process oriented, so I will do all of my background that needs to be done before I put something out put there. Over there. And it's not just like I've attended so many of these like boring whiskey dinners. I don't want to do them anymore. Yeah. So I if so I don't want to attend them, which means I'm not going to host them. So I need to change the format. So uh-huh. how do you change the format? How do you do something fun? How do you get people to attend that have gone to Scotland and visited 30 distilleries? Why will they still come to you and leave feeling like they've had something new? So all of those things. And it's a mix of it's a mix of being able to project not just about the brand, but also add to it what is happening internationally. What is a trend there? Are uh-huh. we going to see it here? How can I introduce it to you for the first time if you've never done it before? So hmm. you, in order to be able to even think like that and plan something like that, you have to know everything out hmm. there. We are in COVID time and it has impacted positive and negative way and in neutral way to a lot of business and to hmm. a lot of profession. How has it, you know, made a difference to your uh, profession? Actually, one big project I was working on, uh, which was a launch of a new homegrown gin, which would have happened last month, was actually beginning April, so earlier this month. Uh, hmm. would, uh, it completely stalled. And in the first couple of weeks, we were still considering of how do we change ideas, how do we do outreach, how do we do information, etc. Now, I think at that time, we also, we didn't realize that the world is not going to be the same even when we open start up. up again. So that's going to be a big uh, trouble because the whole F&B community as a whole is really, really badly hit. What's kept me most occupied uh, over these days, work-wise at least, is there are the constant um, queries for doing Zoom trainings and, mm-hmm. and live actions and sharing um, knowledge, opinions, all of those things. Yeah, and there are competitions that people have put in place that are virtual competitions for bartender, 
theaters, for restaurants, restaurants, and for F and B professionals, things like that. Hmm. Uh, which is interesting because at least it's keeping them occupied. It's giving people a chance to earn earn stuff for their teams that can go towards helping with salaries, etc. It's difficult to say whether we will completely recover before the end of the year. I don't think we will. So I mean. But we can still hope. I feel that you know, although marketing spends, advertising spends might be uh, chopped off to a large extent, it also opens up new doors of doing things differently. Like you rightly mentioned just now about Zoom calls, Zoom seminars, uh, training workshops, and stuff. Maybe that's going to be the new opportunity. I think in terms of efficiency, a lot of people. I don't work in a traditional office setup, but I know that a lot of people have uh, just realized that the efficiency. When they are working from home, not having yeah. to deal with with uh, traffic and mm. dressing up and cooking in the morning and carrying all of those things, mm. uh, it helps them generally more time for other other stuff. But also, you get your work done a lot quicker and without wasting resources. True. And time is just one of those resources. So I think I, I hope that we will even when some sort of normalcy returns, I hope that we will utilize these uh, years and be open to saying, okay, let's do this over a call, let's do this over a, an email or a chat or something like that, rather. Than yes, sitting across the face and saying that unless you sit there, you know it's not considered to be work. The mentality we Indians have to allow, and uh, I think that will change post this. You know, we don't really need to see each other's faces, and if we get, if we have to, then we can do it through a screen. But yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. And also, uh, our patterns of consumption will change a lot. With drinks, yes, of course, we are going to we we are still going to need our alcohol, so there's that that yeah. mercy, but people are less likely to be going out to bars as often as they used to. Yeah. They now they could possibly make themselves one of their favorite drinks at home. The same with ordering food or going food out to right. realize that, well, like, wow, I didn't realize I can cook. It's not terrible, so I can do this more often. It's also something that, uh, I mean, in the best case scenarios, if you're doing it with uh, with your partner, with your loved ones, with your kids, whatever, something of a, it's building, it's a nice thing to do together. We De- like how we consume our food and beverage is definitely going to change. It's going to change big time, yeah. Uh, and I think it will also help brands to realize that now the communication that goes out there. That will have to change very large. How you're connecting with your audience and how you're selling to that audience is going to happen. And on a lighter note, to be honest, if people have been in lockdown and been cooking and have survived it, then that is certainly good that they can live at home and have their drinks and cook their own food. So they're not in yes. any kind of danger for themselves or and for their family. And you don't really like the person you're living with if you survive party Oh, days. gosh. <laughs> yeah. Survive the lockdown will survive the world. So what are uh, future plans for uh, Giddle Water 411? At least this year, um, post the lockdown. I have no, I really don't know what post the lockdown is. I can tell you what my plans were for 2020 and I can tell you how terrible this <laughs> We'll we, we have a podcast again, Karina, in uh, 2021 as well. I'm going to revisit this entire thing and let's see where people are, have gone and how far they've been. For me, this year, in fact, one of the things I kept saying, because the last two years, I've been living out of a suitcase. Uh, I think last year, I averaged about 70-something flights in the year. I'm quite tired as much as I love to travel. And I said two things that were pressing for me uh, this year. Hmm. One was to uh, travel a little less, so to get a little more time to myself. 
Yeah. <laughs> and the second thing, which worked out in a very strange way that I did not mean it to at all. You asked for it and you got it. As simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> and the second thing was to work a lot more with homegrown brands. Work with brands that where there was potential to create a narrative around them rather than just executing one that existed already. Like with Monkey Forty Seven, which is the role that I was. You were an ambassador there, weren't you? I was yes, I was an ambassador for Monkey Forty Seven, which is a German game as part of the Panorama portfolio. It was only a few days a month. I know it seemed for people that follow me on social media, it seemed like a lot more. But I managed to do you know all of those things within a few days a month that I would dedicate to the brand. What I loved about the brand was that you know there were so many stories, there was a strict aesthetic, and it was up to me to execute that aesthetic or to push it a little more to sort of to grow it a little bit. Me and that I was working with. Uh, what I wanted to do this year was, and I did that for two years. I loved it. What I wanted to do this year was to actually be more integral to the process of building that aesthetic for a brand and building that narrative for a brand, which is what I incidentally what. I got to do so. Hopefully, by before this year is over, in another few months, you'll see you'll see the fruit of that labor. Waiting uh, for that. Really span in the works this entire lockdown. You'll just change your perspective, and probably we'll do things in a more lateral manner. Yeah, you never know where life takes us. Right. And, and I think like, like for me, it's also difficult to have this conversation because I constantly realize generally how fortunate I am hmm, to be that's to, yeah just the fact that you know, I don't need to be working every day in order to sustain myself or or the help that I have or my or employees or anything like that is a very good place to be and I think yeah and I think one of the things that I'm always extremely grateful for the work I have and the work that comes my way but one of the things through this is also that we really need to look out for each other and we really need to support and give wherever we can. Absolutely. Yeah. Really, especially for people in the F&B industry, I think it should be, like for me, it hurts that, that we have, I mean, I know we always, we, hunger is always an issue in uh, India, but just the fact that there are so many people going hungry in such close proximity to you yeah. is a very upsetting. And normal times we don't even notice, yeah, we are so busy chasing our own lives and our own hunger, which is other than just eating, that Today now when we sit back and we realize that we are all at home and there's so much of misery around and uh, I think these lessons that we've all learned, they take us forward even after we've all come out and we get back to normal life. I hope, I'm trying to be as optimistic as I can, I hope we learn from this. Hmm. But I am also slightly skeptical that we'll go right back into being the. Huh. We also have the tendency of going overboard. No, I didn't do it for so many weeks, so many months. I'm going to do it now. Who's going to stop me? Test. So we have, you know, we have that little bit of nonsense in us. But uh, let's hope sanity uh, prevails. And uh, thank you so much, Karina, for being on our show. And uh, thank you for listening to me and my journey. Totally and a pleasure, man. And hopefully we'll meet soon whenever this ends, since we haven't yet. Uh, and we'll meet over prawns made by you. I'm not yes. going to give that up. You're, you're always welcome for prawns and for beer and, and whatever. And whole, beer, whiskey and then uske baad jo peena wo pee lenge, jo bhi bach gaya. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, Babus, this is Karina on Cheers Shari Podcast. Karina, please take care of yourself and be careful when you walk up the stairs to your terrace. And <laughs> be good. And everyone, please stay at home and be good to the world. Goodbye.